Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Gym Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ridiculous Crime is a production of iHeartRadio. Yo, Elizabeth Dutton. Zarin Burnett. What is up, girl? Oh, nothing. Just, you know. Well, do you got a second? I got a quick question for yeah, you. Yeah, go ahead. Do you know what's ridiculous? I do. I do. Share it with a brother. Now, you know normally I'm all about the food mashups yeah not today oh thank god today oh, is it my birthday no today i'm doing clothing mashups hey hey, hey, hey. okay so <laughs> you know <laughs> that i love the adidas yes this i do know i i own far too many pairs adidas. Of, adidas, of the adidas um so all day was, you dream about shoes i do <laughs> uh this is disappointing for me what well, because I usually like pretty much anything Adidas puts out. Oh. But then they, they kind of miss the mark on something. Worse than the, some of the Jeremy Scott stuff? Yeah. Damn. Um, they have a crossover with The Simpsons. Okay. And you'd think that it'd be all Bart Simpson, like, radical dude, <laughs> cowabunga, I would man, <laughs> eat my shorts. No. It's um, Adidas and The Simpsons shoes for International Left-Handers Day. Okay. It's um, Ned Flanders Adidas. Oh. And let me give you the... Stupid, sexy Flanders. <laughs> yeah. Let me give you the description. Uh, left-handers rule! Exclamation point. These McCartan shoes pay homage to a classic and timeless Adidas trainer and honor our favorite left-hander in Springfield, Ned Flanders. <laughs> the packaging and poster call back to the Leftorium. They're made from smooth leather with a rubber outsole. Ew. They're ugly as sin. Like <laughs> they, don't, they don't sound good. No. And like they oh, you know. Are how, they intentionally supposed to be like bad, like a Ned Flanders no, they're shoe? They're supposed to look like Ned Flanders shoes. Oh. And they do. Oh, there you go. So but you know how like they always show they have the pictures, right? On mm-hmm. the website, and it's only showing the right shoe. It's supposed to be for left hand. Yeah. Left foots, too. I don't know. <laughs> Multiple foots. Oh, boy, this is melting my brain. So, anyway, I find this ridiculous. And I concur. Okay, ridiculous. Thank you. 
Well, if you got a second, I got one for you. Yeah, I'm sure it's better. No, no, no. This one is is, is strange. It's okay. ridiculous and it's criminal. It's strange. I, I know. I think you will like it. Uh, <laughs> once upon a time, a Georgia inmate in state custody, he smuggled in a contraband phone, which people do, and he gets it into prison and he uses this phone to impersonate a billionaire. But that's not all, Elizabeth. He mm-hmm. also purchased 6,000 gold coins that were worth about $11 million. And he did this with the billionaire's investment account. That's not all, Elizabeth. I am not done yet. <laughs> Next, he bought himself a multi-million dollar house with the billionaire's money. All of this fu- all while he's phone? still in prison. Wow. This is Ridiculous Crime, a podcast about absurd and outrageous capers, heists, and cons. It's always 99% murder-free and 100% ridiculous. Elizabeth. Zarin. This story I'm about to tell you, uh, Mm -hmm. to be clear, I just wanted you to know this from the get. Okay. There are no heroes in this story. (laughs) There aren't even anti-heroes in this story. (laughs) Wait, what? For the record, I do not like this inmate. He's not one of my dudes. He's not? Okay, so these are all... Also, I'm not rooting for the billionaire in this story. Surprise. But (laughs) I know. But I promise you, this is one hell of a story. So, buckle up, Buttercup. Before we dig into this first story, though, I kind of wanted to whet your appetite. Mm-hmm. I had an appetizer, a, an amuse-bouche, as you like yes. to call them. Yes. yes. So the, the headline read... A starter. <laughs> Billionaire spends $35 million to investigate $400,000 wine fraud. Wine fraud? <laughs> yes. Spends $35 million to investigate $400,000 loss, <laughs> essentially. Now, Wait. Elizabeth, you may be thinking, Saren, I'm not the best at math, but no, that I'm sounds not. like a waste of money. Yeah, it does. You are right, Elizabeth. That <laughs> is 100% a waste of money. <laughs> but it all depends on what you're buying. And in this case, he was buying, I think, peace of mind. Wait a second. Which one is? What's it? Who is it? Yeah. So the billionaire in question, I'm glad you asked, is a member of the Koch family. <laughs> yes. I've seen this documentary. Yes. Bill Koch. Yes. So he's brother of Charles and David Koch. So... So now this guy, he's not the fail son, the one who makes those ugly shirts. That mm-hmm. guy is Wyatt Coke. He's the founder of Wyatt Ingraham, which is the shirt company. Um, one story I found said it, it is a fashion line that, quote, answers the question, what if Tommy Bahama's dad had paid for him to go to Harvard? Oh, God. <laughs> You're talking to get into Harvard. I oh, should God. get the quote right. So not that is Coke this brother. Is this toilet paper Coke? Yeah, uh, which one's a toilet paper? Don't they have like a... Oh, yeah, the family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. The family is big in the papers. Yeah. yeah. So this Coke brother, the uh, Bill Coke, he... He owns these bottles of wine, right? He's got these four bottles of wine that once belonged to Thomas Jefferson. If you've seen the documentary, you know this. He spends $400,000 to get them. Come to find out, they are not Thomas Jefferson wine. That's it's right. It's just yeah. normal wine put into expensive labels. That's all little, it was, little right? little Franzia up in there. Exactly. A little <laughs> box wine for the brothers. So Bill Coke, he gets all pissed, right? And he's like, discovers his figure. He's like, what, what? This is outrageous, right? So he's like, I am an idiot. I'm going to spend a lot of money to get peace of mind. So he <laughs> hires a private investigator to check out the provenance of all of his wine collection, right? So he discovers he's been duped numerous times. The billionaire gets embarrassed. He gets mad. So he pays this private dick to check all every single bottle he owns his entire collection so elizabeth how many bottles do you think dude had oh that were god fraudulent? i don't know oh, 400 he had 400 400 fake? fake bottles of wine in I, his collection i have vague memories of them like i said i saw the documentary but i don't remember the oh wow this quote may uh, you know bring some bells for you uh-huh. bill coke said and i quote 
There is a code of silence in this business because obviously the faker doesn't want anybody to know that he's making fake wine. The auction house doesn't want to know that. And then the collector himself generally doesn't want to know that. Or if he finds out, he wants to find a secret way to dump it and get his money back because he's a rich yeah. jerk. And he's like, ah, oh, no, they're move never going to drink any of this stuff, right? Oh, no, sometimes they do. I mean, some collectors do. Most of the time, not. They will yeah. exhibit it to other so wine collectors. Cares? Like, oh, look at my Thomas Jefferson bottles. They'll never get opened, right? So this cat, he decides, I'm going to break the wheel. So he goes and he gets his private investigator, as I told you, looking at all his fraudulent bottles. The dude tracks down the guy who sold him the mm-hmm. bottles of Thomas Jefferson fake wine, right? That guy lives in Germany. Bill Koch sues him. He wins a $1 million like uh, just, uh, judgment from him, right? Yeah. Now, any lawyer will tell you this. Your mother's a lawyer. She'll tell you this. He's not going to see that money. Yeah, right? okay, yeah. That's just not happening. Yeah. So he's like, nope, doesn't matter. I'm rich already. I'm not doing it for the money. I want peace of mind. So he's starts going again. He pays lawyers to go after people. He's suing everyone he can. And like some caped crusader, he decides he's going to protect all the other dumb, ultra-rich people like him. And he's like, I gotta protect us. So <laughs> his private investigator keeps working. The private dick finds that the bulk of the fraudulent wine that he has purchased all came from the same con man in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And this is the guy who would take, literally, Franzia, common just wine, yeah. pour it into yeah. expensive bottles and sell it to foolish, ultra-wealthy people. Mm-hmm. This wine label con man, he gets Tried, convicted, and sentenced. So Bill Koch once again gets his some more justice. But he's not done, Elizabeth. Bill <laughs> Koch is on it. He gets on his Batman cowl and he goes to after the auction house. The auction house is like, oh man, sorry about selling you the fake Thomas Jefferson wine. He's like, I'm gonna sue. And right, and they're like, oh yeah, here's read this. It's called the Statue of Limitations. Now blow. So the <laughs> auction house is in the clear because yeah. statute limitations are up. Dude's not done though. He's like, oh, who else can I go after? So Bill Koch says, and I quote, I spent over 35 million doing all that. I was a dog on a bone. I wasn't gonna give up. This, remember this. He's doing this to protect for, rich idiots. That's, yeah, that's and what for his, his own outlay of what four hundred thousand? You said. Yeah, he spent four hundred thousand. He's out there now, thirty-five million out. Some so, people have too much money. Yes, exactly. When Take you that, the L, dude. Right? Just... It's a cheaper L, but he's like, wants peace of mind. So mm-hmm. when you have that kind of money, this is what you can do with it. This is the foolishness, and this is like this multi-year wine investigation. Mm-hmm. This is the kind of behavior you can expect from billionaires. So I want you to keep that in mind as I tell you this story. Oh, great. I'm okay. just thinking of like, we got teachers working second and third jobs. Oh, and yeah. then this dude's like, my wine's fake. Totally. Throws $35 Paying million for their it. classroom materials out of their own pocket. I mean, yeah. And this guy's like, ah, $35 million to make me happy. Anyway. Yeah. Enough whatever. of Bill Coke. <laughs> you ready for one of the biggest heists ever pulled off from inside an American prison? Uh, yes, please. Elizabeth, I don't want to like bust you out on this, mm-hmm. but you once taught in a prison. I did at okay. a federal facility. Yes. Now, Col- college uh, English classes. Right, right. So when you were doing that, you had to go through all the prison security. Mm-hmm. It was like they would check everything. Even I think you once told me an underwire bra was something they would check. Well, it depends on what part of the prison you're going into. How so? So the yard, what you would is like the traditional big prison. Yeah, yeah that's like couldn't have bobby pins in mm-hmm. my hair. You had couldn't wear an underwire bra. Um, the camp, mm-hmm. which is like, like where the trustees, trustees are, um, they didn't have. I mean, they, I was supposed to go through it, but it was just I just would show up. And it's much walk more in. trust and it's yeah. Lot. So I on those days, like I could have you know Bobby pins my hair in an underwear bra. On. <laughs> Let's say one of your students when you were in the yard asked you to smuggle in a phone and said, "I'll give you ten grand." How difficult would it be to smuggle a phone in? It well, it would be pretty rough. I think like. I don't know. Though I did smuggle something in once. Ooh. Because, did you now? Tell me more. Um, 
They have a limited library. And <laughs> now you smoke them in a book. I did. And, and like, <laughs> a couple of them. Does but that it wasn't smuggling. <laughs> it wasn't like, you know, I mean, I just said that it was it was materials for the class. Sure. It was outside of the materials for the class and it wasn't anything incendiary. It was yeah. just interesting books that they couldn't get in their library. Mm-hmm. So technically I smuggled. Yeah, that counts. That counts. I'll give you that And I one. used to also bring them like um, highlighters. Okay. Which I'm sure they probably wound up using as like crack pipes. Who knows? Oh, but anyway, they needed them for my class and they, they, these were good dudes. Like my students were really good. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Now, the, from what I understand, the majority of the contraband that comes into prisons is brought in by the correctional officers. Yeah, that is true. Okay. So keep that in mind also as I'm telling you this story. This story is going to take place inside the Georgia Department of Corrections. So just, you know, one state south of South Carolina. Specifically, it's, the special management unit, which is, you know, the maximum security wing. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So he's in the, the state's maximum security facility for the state's most serious offenders and violent offenders, right? And that's where this dude is, hardened criminals. Inmate, his name is Arthur Lee Cofield Jr. Mm-hmm. You can call him June. <laughs> the 31-year-old gets locked up on a 14-year bid for armed robbery, right? He's like a career criminal, and he got his start young. Now, Cofield was a documented gang member. He has active criminal ties to the outside, for instance, he, from inside of prison, he arranged a shooting. So, like, he was, oh, like, actively, yeah, this yeah. is why he's not my dude. But <laughs> to do that, he had to use a contraband phone, right? Now, Cofield only had a few more months left on his time for his armed robbery. And so he had a plan to set himself up for once he gets back outside. So, as we've covered, it's no great surprise that a prisoner like Cofield was able to have the smuggled cell phone mm-hmm. because, you know, it's the prison guards who are getting it into him. But he had a history of having smuggled cell phones on him. He had... He'd been caught 12 times. Yeah. 12 times. And yeah. they're not any better at going, maybe we should check this guy. But, you know, whatever. Yeah. Now, back in 2016, I found a report that he had a Verizon LG touchscreen phone and the charger. Oh. They were found concealed in Cofield's crotch. Like, he was like, just like got him tucked in. <laughs> the old crotch phone. Yeah, he's just tucking a phone. So, <laughs> but he gets written up for the contraband phone. Cofield says, and I quote, I don't give a about that phone. I've had hundreds of phones, right? So he's like flexing well, on I them. I think that once the guy once the guy has the phone, like they're probably going to have more than one. I had a student mm-hmm. who um got transferred to a different facility because they found four cell phones yeah. under his bed. Now, was he selling them or those are just his? I don't know. Oh, I okay. didn't ask. You know, yeah, I don't no, cry. I, I, I figure. But yeah, that was, he had a little cache of them under there. And... Apparently, when I was doing my research into this, I found all these stories about like just how good people have gotten about smuggling in things into mm-hmm. prison. They're now using drones to smuggle yeah, in phones. Yeah. I mean, you, you read the, like the freak stories. Oh, we tied a phone to a cat. Or we got this pigeon trained to bring in drugs like meth there into a prison. Right? Those stories are out there. But the drones are now the new crazy story about what goes on in prisons. Right? But I don't think that really is the point. You know, it's kind of like it, it, it excuses the correction officers. So yeah. I think I want to keep the focus on them throughout this. Well, there was, you know, when I was teaching at the prison, they had an outbreak of, was it K2, that synthetic? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Um, there were guys taking it in the, not in my class, but mm-hmm. in the just general gen pop. Okay. Um, who, and they were having like seizures and, and collapsing and hallucinations and were hauled out in ambulances. And... Um, I was told by the guards that, oh, it's coming in in the spine of books like mm-hmm. that they get from family. And so we're having to tear up all the books that come in, which yeah. I was like, I didn't come from any of my books. But then <laughs> someone else told me, no, nah, dude, it's the guards. Yeah, like, of course. They're not, yeah. It's not coming in in the spine of books. <laughs> like the, the families are not taking apart books no. and then rebinding them to no. get K2 in. I mean, yeah, that's exactly. just, come on now. 
Okay, well, let me, it's time for me to tell you the other person in this story. Yeah. Sidney Kimmel. Now, Sidney Kimmel is a California-based billionaire. He's the 94-year-old who's worth uh, about $1.5 billion. You may know him. He founded Jones New York, the fashion label. Oh, right. Okay. Right, yeah, so he sells that for $2.2 billion, becomes a billionaire, right? Yeah. Other than Jones New York, Sidney Kimmel also goes and decides, oh, I'm going to make a name for myself in Hollywood. He decides, like, oh, yeah, I'm done with fashion. I'm going to go make movies. So he's the money man behind a string of movies such as Crazy Rich Asians, Hell or High Water, Moneyball, uh, the flop that Ryan Gosling made about falling in love with a sex doll, Lars and the Real Girl. All these are his movies. <laughs> right. United 93, right? These are all wow, his movies. Wow, he's just, yeah. So Sidney okay. Kimball does this for a while. Then he decides, I'm going to get into philanthropy. So that's what he's doing these days. He's all into philanthropy. Like the Johns Hopkins University, they get a big endowment from him. So now they have a cancer center that has his name on it. And uh, there's the, well, going back to the early winemaker of American history, Thomas Jefferson. Uh-huh. Sidney Kimball gave money to the University of Philadelphia that carries Jefferson's name. And it was the medical school now has the Sidney Kimball name. So, okay. yeah. So what, 93? 94 now. 94. So in 2020, when this scam went down, Kimmel was 92 years old. Mm, So he's mm -hmm. always pretty much... 92 years young, (laughs) Sarah. Exactly. I hate when people say that. Really? Yeah. (laughs) You're so particular. So condescending. Anyway, go ahead. So this aging businessman turned Hollywood philanthropist, uh, he has no connection to Cofield. He has no understanding. He doesn't know he's about to be a target, right? He's just this 92-year-old guy who's just Mm -hmm. trying to give money away. Now... He had never met him, had no reason to cross paths, would have no idea that there was some prisoner locked up in Butts County, Georgia, who's got his eye on him, right? Now, that's just, it's just, it defied his imagination. Now, for those who've never had the pleasure of traveling through Butts County. I have not. Well, maybe I have. It's who about knows? 45 miles south of Atlanta. Okay, I don't yeah. think I have. I, have I, got, I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? Like on your way down to Waycross, you'd probably come across Who it. Who knows? So, Let's if, say yes. Now, you may be wondering, Elizabeth, Saren, how do you rob a billionaire from inside a maximum security state Saren, prison? Saren, how do you rob a billionaire from inside a maximum security prison? Great question, Thank Elizabeth. Thank you. Thank you. Well, you use one of the hundreds of contraband phones that you have, and <laughs> Cofield was able to then use this to contact uh, a brokerage. And these are smartphones. Yeah, these are smartphones. Huh. So yeah. let's take a quick break. Yes. And then... <laughs> And I will tell you how he used a smartphone to get stupid on this billionaire. Nice. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like, Full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Shh. Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. As you know, the world can be a dangerous and unpredictable place. With every crime I've studied, I've learned one thing. Your best line of defense is your vigilance and preparation. You don't want to worry. You just want peace of mind. That's why I recommend Simply Safe Home Security. For every ridiculous robbery and theft we talk about, it's pretty obvious the crimes could be avoided with a solid security system. A good home security system keeps people prepared and aware. Simply Safe is that system. It was named Best Home Security Systems 2024 by U.S. News and World Report. And it doesn't just protect your home from crime, it also alerts you to fire, floods, and other emergencies. 
They offer sensors and cameras backed by 24-7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. There are no contracts, and there's a 60-day money-back guarantee. Get 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com slash ridiculous crime. That's simplysafe.com slash ridiculous crime. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Hey girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So, Elizabeth, we got our dude, well, not my dude, but Arthur Cofield. Our, yeah, he's our, a bad guy. Our bad guy of the story. He's a bad, bad guy. And then man. we got Sidney Kimmel, our target and mark of the story. Uh-huh. And we're about to have them meet. You ready? Okay. Yes. Not physically, Are but you'll get kiss? the idea. They're going to kiss. They're going to butterfly kiss. It's so <laughs> cute. So, Cofield was able to contact this uh, Charles Schwab brokerage using mm-hmm. a smartphone, right? Okay. So, in June 2020, Cofield pretends to be SK. Yeah, so he calls himself. Now, this is the billionaire investor. Sidney Kimmel. Mm-hmm. So he calls Charles Schwab up and he gets a broker on the phone and Cofield's able to sweet talk this investment firm into transferring $11 million of Sidney Kimmel's money. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, exactly. The federal prosecutors still can't exactly determine how it was that Cofield was able to find Kimmel or his Charles Schwab account. Yeah. Like, how did he know Charles so Schwab was So he had to, spot? like, give his number, his account number. Oh, just wait. And you, those yeah. kind of things, I mean, they do have to make those kind of transfers over the phone. Yes. It's not done that yet. Is, yeah, that is true. Hmm. So he had the advantage there. Now, so Scott McAfee, he's a federal prosecutor on this case. He said, quote, Mr. Cofield had figured out a way to access accounts belonging to high net worth individuals, frankly, billionaires, located across the country. Now, the reason why he said billionaires, plural, is that because Cofield also managed to hit up Nicole Wertheim, who I don't know, but she's apparently the wife of Herbert Wertheim, who was a Florida billionaire, who has, uh, he made his money on eyeglass innovations. So, yeah, billionaire eyeglass guy. So, Wertheim, Nicole Wertheim, she gives him $2.25 million. You know, he's basically transferred out of their account. He's able to steal the funds and transfer it to a second account, then convert them into gold coins because gold coins are apparently Cofield's fiscal instrument of choice. He just right. loves He's the right. double eagle. All right. So he uses that same move on Sidney Kimmel. Now, interestingly, in the Wertheim case, they didn't want to press charges. So he's facing no criminal charges for stealing $2.25 million. Why? I don't know. I don't know if they want to be embarrassed. I don't know if they don't want their finances like that. Could, that's probably it. They it could be a little one, up. a little bit of both. And I don't how know. much did he transfer out of Wertheim? 
uh, 2.25 million. Yeah, they're like, it's pocket change. Yeah, they're like, ah, oh, it's just an embarrassment. Don't well, tell chump, people we're such marks. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get back to our original question. Yes. How is a bank robbing gangbanger who's in prison able to call up Charles Schwab and steal from the accounts of billionaires with just a cell phone? Yeah, how? Well, how, Zarin? Let's get into the whys and what for us, Elizabeth. Arthur Lee Cofield, uh, let me back up just a second and tell you a little bit about his criminal history so you can get an idea of who this guy is, and then you can imagine him on the phone. All right, so Arthur Lee Cofield, when he was 15 years old, he robbed his first bank, all right? Mm -hmm. He goes in. He's not very good at it. It's his first time. (laughs) He walks into a branch of Choice Community Bank in Douglasville, Georgia, and he robs them for 2,600 whole dollars. Oh, geez. All right, so when Cofield walks out of the bank with his stolen loot, the die pack goes off. I didn't even know they put a die pack in for twenty six hundred dollars. <laughs> well, hey, listen, die pack goes every off. little counts. Yeah, he gets stained with the ink, and metaphorically is now marked from this point on. Right, right? he's right. now a career criminal. So, despite his inept beginnings as a criminal, Arthur Cofield he gets better. He's got natural instincts. He just is a criminal born. Right, mm-hmm. his attitude, his ambitions, his makings all aligned to make him this what will soon be a master criminal. Mm-hmm. Now. Once he's locked up on the inside, Cofield decides, you know, I'm a young man. I, I've, I've been a bank robber. I think I should go to my next move, which is start a prison gang. So He's, he's t- just not a fan of the social contract. <laughs> no. no. So, so he starts out a prison gang, and he names his crew YAP. Now, YAP stands for Young and Paid. <laughs> and yet, young in prison. Yeah, exactly. Now, his, apparently, this YAP was a inspired by his street name which was oh. yap lavish yap lavish yap lavish that's what, that's what he was known on the street so uh, yap lavish aka uh arthur cofield his, jr his street name game is weak oh mad weak yeah according to me <laughs> <laughs> i'll tell him to his face you tell yap lavish right to his face elizabeth yap lavish so yap lavish uh once he's in prison he manages to have somewhat of a normal life on the outside even though he's locked up on the inside <laughs> he's a young man he gets himself a girlfriend now her name was selena holmes she lives in atlanta She's being Yap Lavish's girl. She's got to have a lavish lifestyle. So they mostly communicate by phone, but he's sending her money. He's arranging her life of luxury. When I say arranging, I mean, girl got a Mercedes from him. She is in a high rise apartment in Buckhead, which is like upscale neighborhood in Atlanta. She's like, yeah, like she's living large. I was going to say, she's like the queen of bad decisions when you said that she hooked up with this dude in jail. But now I'm like, well, maybe she's. They've never met in person. She's never had to be in the same room as him. She just has to do some phone calls and she gets a Mercedes. But that's not true. There's something else you also have to do oh, because no. Yap Lavish is a young man, so he's interested in pleasures of the flesh. He has Selena FaceTime him in prison, and she then has sex on camera with some man that he arranges for Ew. her. Yes, they were a kinky, no. kinky couple, Elizabeth. Okay, no. <laughs> so I've had enough he's of that. FaceTiming in prison, watching her get down. Filthy. Yeah, and so well, and you know that he's not the only one watching this. Oh, you think other guys in prison are sitting there watching? He's probably charging them to watch with him. Look at you, hustler. (laughs) I had not even thought about that. You got me. You need better negative imagination. Yeah, I'm over here thinking that he's a romantic. He's just sitting in his cell watching. They're all filthy. (laughs) Filthy, horrible people. (laughs) (laughs) Well, moving on from Dirty Cofield and Selena Holmes. It's right around this time when he's got Selena doing all that she's doing for him that he decides, you know what? I need to set up my life on the outside. So he decides, I'm going to go and buy myself a mansion. Now, being in prison and having no money of his own, he's going to need to do something about that. Yeah. So he's ops- He's like, I'll get a billionaire to buy it. So what does Yap Lavish do? Summer 2020. Now, and this is, as I'm pointing out, summer 2020, COVID is at its worst 
point in the summer of 2020 in case people don't yeah, remember for some right. reason. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. everybody's inside, locked inside, acting weird, acting wild. And Cofield is on the inside too, also acting weird and wild, just in a totally different mm-hmm. angle. So the people are not distracted. I'm not giving them excuses, but the Charles Schwab people don't see him coming. But yet, then again, billionaires act weird. So and now they're we're all, in a, they're all working from home. And now we're in a pandemic. Yeah, they're they working got on, like, like a cat proof. walking behind them on the bookcase. Exactly, yeah. exactly. They're looking at their kid and like, don't wear that. Oh no, what? Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Approve, approve mm-hmm. the transfer. So Elizabeth, what do you know about high finances and what it takes to pose as someone? You seemed like you were. Kind I know of on everything. It. Okay, so you said you needed a, a <laughs> no, bank account number. I mean, I'm just assuming, like, for security's sake. Like, I can't call up and be like, hey, everybody, it's me, Bill Gates. Turns out you Give can. Give me the money. <laughs> like, I'd have to be like, okay, here's my account number. I, I, I would assume there's some sort of pin that you'd have to give them. Yeah, these are all good things. Uh, so... I'll just lay it out for you. Cofield, according to court documents, Cofield used a phone masking app called TextNow. So that disguised his location so he wouldn't be like pinging as like oh, an Atlanta area code in prison. Uh-huh. He shows up as a Los Angeles area code, which is where Sidney Kimmel lives. Right. So okay. totally works. Now, using TextNow, Cofield phones up Charles Schwab and goes, hey, I want to open a checking account. So he doesn't try to like directly just take the money. He's like, yeah, take my account, put some of my money in a different account that you guys still hold. So okay. they're less suspicious. They're not losing the money. Now, Cofield was told he would need to supply a photo ID and proof of address. That's yeah. all he needed. And when I say proof of address, like it's like what they tell me at the DMV. Do you have a utility bill? That's what they right, said. To, you right. know, Sidney Kimmel, do you have a utility bill? So he's like, yes, I've got a water bill. Literally shows them the water bill. Wait, how does he show them? So this is what Cofield does. He phones an outside co-conspirator, and this person texts him a photo of Sidney Kimmel's driver's license and one of the billionaire's utility bills, his what? water bill. Yeah. So I nobody knows how this person knows these things. I'm just going to speculate and say that this yeah. person works as his house staff. Oh, that makes sense. I don't, and that would make sense why they choose yeah, old Sydney. Exactly. That's yeah. my guess. I have no there's no yeah, no there's nobody who knows the answer. I say you're correct. I do know the answer <laughs> and that's it. So Co- next. Next. The <laughs> so Cofield, hella convincing, super charming, must have amazing phone game. His phone voice must be just Pearly He's all, hello, it's oh. me, Sydney. <laughs> He's like just hamming it up, chewing the scenery in the cell. <laughs> He's got like a cellmate going, oh, this is amazing. <laughs> like, come on, keep more, going. More, more. Just stretch it out, stretch it out. <laughs> so Charles Schwab, uh, the company rep, tells him, okay, yeah, we can open a checking account once he gets the photo ID, the water bill. So then they transfer money, $11 million, into a new Charles Schwab account. Right. Mm-hmm. So then he's like, OK, but, you know, he's not done. He now just needs to get the money. So he's like, OK, I'm not going to cash out the account because that would, you know, that would send uh, bells and whistles going. Right. right. So he's like, OK, I got bigger plans. I need you to transfer this money because I want to buy some gold. You know, it's a pandemic. They're like, oh, billionaires buying gold. That makes sense. <laughs> Fine. Right. So he's like, yeah, you know, the greedy man's first love gold. I need me <laughs> now, some. I do need to point out that I really doubt that billionaires themselves are calling brokerage firms. Like, wouldn't he have like I a, a kinda, finance guy? I think he kinda, yes, that's what I was thinking. But then again, he also has his name on his water bill. Yeah, I wouldn't expect true. a billionaire to have their name You'd on their water bill. Like, like an LLC or, or something. Or, yeah, 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 whatever. So there's a lot oh, about this Sydney. that I don't understand about being a billionaire. I've never been a billionaire. I don't want to be I. a billionaire, but Nor I don't I. understand their lives. Yeah, I yeah. don't get it. Would you, if, if I gave you a billion dollars, would you immediately give it away? Pretty much. Okay. I like, mean, I would, I'd want to live like a really nice life myself, sure. of course. Like, sure, everybody just, does. But I, that kind of money that you're never going to touch, 
And again, like I was saying with like teachers and stuff. Like, you can have multiple lifetimes and not spend all that money. Exactly. Yeah, so that's too I could take care of myself person. and my family and like mm-hmm. we could be really comfortable and have like super nice stuff. Yeah. And I could still give that money to people who really so need it. So you'd salary cap your billion. Yeah, totally. I like that. So, you know, I would be greedy and have like nice stuff for myself. <laughs> I'm not saying like, oh, turn it over and then just drink thin soup for the rest yeah, of the Yeah, no, no, yeah. But like... You know, when they're sitting on multiple billions of dollars, uh-huh. like you said, that in lifetimes they would never, ever touch. Could not be able to spend it. No. Them. You know, I say, share it. Yeah. I'm right there with you. I, I look mm-hmm. at uh, money like water, and it does no good being locked up. Mm-hmm. So anyway, back to the story. Gotta give everybody a seal. Yeah, let them wet their beaks. <laughs> so Cofield manages to get this Charles Schwab rep to mm-hmm. not only transfer the $11 million, but then to transfer it uh, to the account, but then to transfer it to a precious metal broker in Idaho. So he's like, yeah, I want the money to go to Money Metals Exchange in uh, Idaho, in Boise. And he's like, okay, we'll just send that right over. And so they send the $11 million over, and Cofield then purchases 6,106 gold coins, the American Eagle gold coin. Uh Are you familiar with American Eagle? No. So like 1985, the U.S. Mint starts making this gold coin that is a like a few ounces. The, well, here, I'll just tell you, this is how the U.S. Mint was puts it. A, it. Was it a special mashup between the U.S. Mint and sovereign citizens? And, and the Smithsonian Institute. <laughs> and you could get a plate, a you know, commemorative <laughs> plate with it. No. But the, uh, and I quote, this is from the U.S. Mint. The U.S. Mint produces American Eagle gold bullion coins in four weights. One ounce, half ounce, quarter ounce, and a tenth ounce. The coins are 22 karat gold plus small amounts of alloy. The U.S. Mint does not sell bullion coins directly to the public. So you got to go to one of these brokers. So it all seems kind of legit to everybody involved. Charles Schwab, like, oh, yeah, buying gold in a pandemic. Yeah, fine. The gold people are like, yeah, $11 million. Sure, we'll take it. Here's your 6,000 coins. Nobody questions it, right? So Cofield manages to get all this going. He takes $11 turns it into gold coins. So what does he do next? Well, I forgot to tell you one thing, Elizabeth. Mm -hmm. You were curious about the paper trails they would need. Yeah. To get the gold coins transferred, to get the money transferred to the gold broker, Cofield had to send a disbursement request. And on top of that, he also had to send a letter of authorization. Okay. So he forges the letter of authorization and then manages this disbursement request. I don't know how he's doing all of this off of just a smartphone. It seems like, and once again, I got to go that the co-conspirator is helping him with yeah, this stuff, giving him be. an example of a signature, whatever it is. I mean, fellas get crafty behind bars in terms of like making stuff. Sure. You oh, know, amazingly, yeah. Pruno. Yeah, totally. All the stuff with all toilet paper they can make <laughs> is just ridiculous. Things. I met some dudes from but prison. But I can't imagine that he's forging documents that successfully. And yeah. then does someone have to go to Idaho to get the gold? Well, yeah, we'll get to that in okay. a second. So I'm jumping ahead here. I'm just, just constantly surprised by all the paperwork this crime takes. It's yeah. practically like a day job. I'm like, yeah, look, yeah. if you're doing this, just get a job. Like, <laughs> what the? D- anyway, <laughs> so Cofield, you know, he's got his outside co-conspirator, most likely the one who helps with the forgery. Mm-hmm. So you were asking, how do you get the gold coins out of Idaho? Yeah. You ready, Elizabeth? How did he get the gold coins out of Idaho, Zalin? Well, Elizabeth, I got an answer for you. Yeah. And I'd like you to close your eyes. <gasps> My eyes closed. And picture it. You're an Uber driver working in the Atlanta area. (laughs) You don't love driving for a living, but you lost your job as a dancing bear trainer at the Moscow Circus, (laughs) so the strip club you opened, Sloss, also had its (gasps) permits pulled after it was discovered that two of your dancers were actually animatronics purchased from a Chuck E. Cheese pizza. What? Yep, so now you're having to drive an Uber to pay off all of your permit problems (laughs) and pay back your debts from the Moscow Circus. Now... While you sort out all of your permit problems so you can reopen Sloths, you Uh had to do what you had to do. So you head over to pick up your next ride. Sloths will return. Yeah, one day it'll reopen. Someday. Have faith, people. So you arrive outside an expensive Skyrise apartment in Buckhead. 
Your passenger steps out of the lobby and walks towards your Prius. She looks statuesque, wealthy. You wonder why she called an Uber and not a private car, but whatever. When she gets into your car, you marvel at the smell of her perfume. It smells expensive. Mm, I wonder what it is. Yes, I do too. So Probably like a Creed. Oh, okay, I have no <laughs> I idea. I, I only know ones from like right before Christmas when they have the like all the commercials. <laughs> that's how I know what goes What's on in the, the perfume Elizabeth market. Taylor White one? diamonds, White baby. Diamond. That's right. <laughs> you know I know this stuff. White diamonds. <laughs> <laughs> so your passenger, she doesn't talk too much, like at all. So you don't either. You're like thinking about what you can do. Like, should Sloss had a better wing recipe? You're like trying to, you know, think totally. about your future. Hey, look, it's the grind culture, Zarin. Yeah, rise and grind, Elizabeth. <laughs> so you drive her to the airport, but you don't. Don't drive to departures and drop her off like you would some normal schmo like me. You drive her all the way around to the side to a little private section yeah, of the airport baby. called Atlanta Signature Airport. Yes. She instructs you to drive onto the tarmac and to head towards a private hangar. You're starting to wonder if she's famous and you just don't know her because you don't watch TV. <laughs> so you're like, well, maybe, maybe, I don't know who she is. Whatever. At the private hangar, you pull in and park before your passenger gets out. She asks you to wait a minute. You're like, I, I got another ride. She's like, no, I've extended my trip. And you look down and you see that she has. You're like, oh, okay. All right, big spender. I'll just wait here. Now, you watch an armored van pull into the private hangar. Two armed men from a private security company get out. They walk over to the chartered plane parked in the private hangar. You're like, oh, things are getting interesting. And you're nosy. So you're loving this, right? You hear someone say that the coins have arrived from Boise. You're like, ooh, from Boise. I don't (laughs) even know what this means. But the private security then meets two other agents after they step off the plane. And they exchange a locked case. Like, ooh, secrets. And the private security then walks over to your passenger. She opens the case, she inspects the contents, then nods, and it looks then that to be transferred over to the other security guards. And you're so giddy watching all this go down. Yeah. You're like, is this, is this international organized crime? What am I watching? <laughs> so your passenger, she returns to the car and says that she's ready to go now. And you're like, should I ask questions? But you don't. You're like, I'm going to be professional. You nod, you check the app for your next destination. She says, okay, yeah, it's a Randall Mill Road. And you know right where that is. It's all the way back across town in Buckhead. You're like, Mm -hmm. okay, so... Money's money. Money spends. You're going to drive. Right. So you drive her back across town. Traffic sucks because it's Atlanta. But eventually <laughs> you arrive at your destination, Randall Mill Road. And you're like, oh, dude. You pull up to this sprawling mansion. It's sitting atop a lush, green-sloped hill surrounded by woods, piney woods. This house, it has to be worth at least a million dollars to your estimation. Mm-hmm. Turns out you're wrong. It's worth $4.4 million. Dang. Yeah. So your passenger steps out of the car, thanks you for the ride, and you're about to like drive away, but you watch for a moment as she walks towards a man who looks to be an architect because he's holding like one of those blueprint holder big old cases. tubes. Exactly. <laughs> and so you're like, well, maybe he's a foreman. You don't know. So you just drive away, right? What you don't know is you just witnessed the transfer of the profits of the one of the biggest robberies to ever occur in an American prison, Elizabeth. Ooh. You just saw Arthur Cofield manage to gank a billionaire for $11 million <laughs> oh, and get ready to buy a house. Wow. Right? Yeah. So I'm going to take a little break, Elizabeth. Yeah. I'm going to cool my jets. And then we're going to come back and I'm going to tell you how this all goes Ooh. horribly wrong. Ooh, can we listen to some ads? Oh, yeah. Here, let me hit play. Okay, cool. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just 
disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on Wasp. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. They burned us and subject us to really horrible, uh, cruel and unusual punishment. After my personal experience at Provo Canyon School, I was shocked to learn that a man named Robert Litchfield, a man who got his start at the school that I went to, would go on to create a multi-million dollar empire. He was trying to brand us. So we were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. The Worldwide Association of Specialty Programs and Schools. They prey on, you know, a parent's really natural and beautiful love for their children in a really, really, unfortunately, effective way. At this time in my life now, if someone presented this program to me, and not just because I've already experienced it, sham, scam, beware. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpert. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So, since you never asked, I'll just tell you, Elizabeth, <laughs> your passenger, her I name don't care. was Aliyah Bennett. Okay. Yeah, all right, Aliyah Bennett. She was house hunting for Arthur Cofield. She uh, is not Selena Holmes. She is a different co-conspirator. Uh... She meets with the owner of the house, which, by the way, was not for sale. It was a new home that had been constructed by an architect, the one you saw, uh-huh. and Cofield, for whatever reason, don't ask me how he saw this house, he wanted it. <laughs> 
So he oh made an God. offer on a house that wasn't for sale. He went higher than market value. He offers $4.4 million. And, of course, it being capitalism, the owner's like, oh, I got to sell. So he decides to sell. He can't How turn down weird. the money. He gets $720,000 as a down payment in cash. And he's like, all right, give me the remainder and the house is yours. Now, you're, you're, you're with me. You got to think something is hinky if you're going to get somebody to offer yeah. you a house, offer you money on a house that's not for sale, and then go, I'll give you cash on that. And then they show up, their first one is three quarters of a million dollars. And you're like, here. And by the way, they showed up with literal duffel bags of cash. They paid the owner oh. in a duffel bag, like multiple duffel bags of cash. Oh, man. That's Deal just, goes down. Yeah. House gets purchased. The billionaire is still none the wiser. His money is now being completely transferred and has now been turned into a multi-million dollar home in Atlanta. Doesn't know. It's like skimming cream from the milk. Yeah, this guy has no chance of Like I guess it's chump change. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But Arthur Cofield Jr., his good fortune is about to turn sour like, say, milk. The... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, well, otherwise we wouldn't be talking about him. You That's know this, right? True. You know the deal. That's so, very true. The fun thing to focus on this story, at least for me, is all the people it took to pull off this scam. Yeah. I'm constantly blown away. I mean, not just the Charles Schwab rep you have to sweet talk, but the co-conspirators, right? all the paperwork, the metal dealers in Boise, Idaho, yeah, the security exactly. guards, you're, you, the driver. That's right. Well, it's kind of like the ultimate where there's a will, there's a way. Like, mm-hmm. you're not going to stop this dude because he's he's working from inside prison. And yeah. he's able to pull off. What I mean, else this is, is he going to do all day? And where there's a billionaire, there's always going to be a bunch of people who are like, I know this is some stupid stuff I'm hearing, but I guess this is what they do. So it was really a great mark. I mean, if you want to, like, excuse odd behavior, tell people you're a billionaire, I guess. Anyway, back to it. Summer 2020, the world mired in a pandemic. Koba's moving fast. So is Arthur Cofield, right? Now, he secured himself his mansion. He's about to be released from prison. So all he needs to do is just, you know, make it through a couple more months. I mean, at this point, he's in a maximum security prison, and he's got an architect on his payroll. He's paying that architect to make changes to the home, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. The architect calls him Archie. The architect's like, oh, yeah, he's my dude, right? So the architect was the one who originally designed and built the home. And so then when he gets sold, he's like, yeah, let me can, can we connect with that guy? And so then he's like, yeah, you built the home. Here's what I want. And so he's talking to Archie on the phone. The guy's name is Scott West. And Scott West is like, and I quote, the whole thing was weird. He'd disappear for a couple of weeks and call me and say, sorry, I was in Mexico, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so he's writing off that everything is weird, but he's like, yep, yeah, this is what, how billionaires he's are. He's like, it's weird, but I've got money in my pocket from it. So. Exactly. That it really offers the one excuse he needed. Yeah, yeah. So the owner of the house is this dude, Michael Zambilas. And Zambilas, he said that when Archie, a.k.a. Arthur Cofield, a.k.a. Yap Lavish, we <laughs> contacted him, they, you know, and I told you the house wasn't for sale, but he just couldn't say no to all that money. He's like, I got to <laughs> give it to him. Yeah. Now, the reason why he believed that the money was legit is Yap Lavish told him that he was a music scout and that he worked with emerging artists, up-and-coming rappers, and that he'd also invested in Bitcoin. Oh, God. Yeah, exactly. It's like a trifecta. <laughs> so, that, But this is enough to be believable for Zambias. He's like, oh, yeah, of course. I mean, this is 2020. So investing in Bitcoin at that time was like, oh, this person's rich and smart. Right. It's not right. like, oh, this person's stubborn and committed to being a Bitcoin holder, like, exactly. which is what we would think now. Yeah. So the rappers in the Bitcoin cover story works well enough that nobody questions Cofield or his money in duffel bags. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's Atlanta after all. Let's keep in mind where we yeah, are. Yeah, but it's not like... There there are plenty a cash of, business that he's well, talking no, about. Well, no, but I'm saying, but there are plenty of young Bitcoin millionaires in Atlanta in 2020 and mm-hmm. plenty of up and coming rappers to make this seem legit, mm-hmm. is what I'm mm-hmm. saying. It's not that, you, yeah. know, you know, the, yes, cash deals, though, should always be suspicious. Yeah. 
So the whole criminal enterprise, it's light, it's flexible, it's moving, it's operating, it's working inside and outside. Everything is going great. But there's one problem because while he's working on this inside and outside, his whole criminal plan is it has this one aspect, which is it is really vulnerable to sudden exposure. It's like a souffle cake. Yeah, yeah. It's going to fall if anybody learns anything about it. And one day, Cofield's bad luck drops right into his lap. And he was like, oh, the day is June 10th, 2020. And the prison guards decided to just do a surprise inspection of the whole prison, right? And so, boom, Cofield is found with two cell phones. Mm -hmm. One of the phones is just sitting on his desk. And he's got a desk in his cell. So it's just sitting out on the desk. The other one <laughs> was hidden in his armpit. So they had to like find it. Oh, and so God. he's got these contraband phones. They hand them over to the prison forensics. Those guys, it don't, doesn't take them long. They examine the phones. They, they're like cursory check reveals this plot to buy a mansion. And so they're like, you're going to need to check more on this phone. So they start going diving deeper and they discover Cofield's whole message history. All the DMs and whatever text messages he sent, all his call logs, the whole bit. And they find all of the evidence they need to keep him in prison for another 15 years. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. He's basically caught dead to right. Now, personally, I'm kind of curious what caused this sudden inspection. I mean, mm -hmm. like, did he piss off the prison guards? Did mm -hmm. he cross the wrong person in prison? Was it a power play between gangs? Because this just seems like a really weird, suspicious, and suddenly the phone was found. Well, it found. could be all of the above. Yeah, totally. Could just, also, it could just be dumb luck. I mean, yeah. I really don't yeah. know, but I still think it was a CO's. Yeah. Anyway, so the inmates who are smuggling in contraband, you know, usually we're told like, oh, it's spines of books, like you're told, or mm -hmm. like in movies, it's like the bodily orifices, uh -huh. but, you know, or, you know, the news stories say, oh, drone flew it in. But as I pointed out, it's mostly the correctional officers. And yeah. from what I've read, this is known by the prison industry. Yeah. Yeah. So Adam Myers, this expert dyke guy, he uh, he studies things for a site called Prisonology. And it's, it's actually, it's a firm and they, they're made up of retired prison wardens, prison executives and so forth. And so they have an insider's view of this. They yeah. know what is, how this is going down. And he said, and I quote, this is a pretty widespread problem. And it really comes down to guards not being paid enough because it's a big amount of money that's hard to turn away from when they smuggle the phones in. So, you know, just like John Lennon, Cofield needed a little help from his friends, and the prison <laughs> guards were only too happy to offer it, right? So that's a, that's my thought. I, I Once yeah. again, I don't know. I'm not necessarily saying it was guaranteed, but how else is he going to get this phone and contact yeah, the Charles Schwab? Exactly. Now, Elizabeth, I know you, so I know you're probably wondering, you're a little worried, well, what about Sidney Kimmel? Did anything, did, did he find out? Did he know he got robbed? Did he lose, get his money back? I, I, you don't who care. Cares? <laughs> <laughs> Well, the money well, yeah, no, I mean, the money was returned him? to him. Okay. He, he got his $11 million back because Charles Schwab, when they found out what they had done, they needed to make sure that none of their other investors uh, yeah. would hear about this and, and hear about it in some glaring negative I, this light. This is the first I'm hearing about it. Yes. <laughs> Charles Schwab was, and I quote, well, Schwab was aware of suspected of fraudulent activity. We launched an investigation, initiated measures to protect the client's account, and notified the authorities. As you can appreciate, this is an ongoing investigation, and as such, we cannot comment further. So they took the approach of, we're handling this. Don't right. you worry. Right. So now to assure all their other investors, they say all this, but people still can't figure out, I can't figure out, the feds can't figure out, how did Cofield find all the information yeah. that he needed to access this billionaire's account? And, you know, that's the great mystery that I have no answers for you. But Elizabeth, I think we found our answer. We think it's the... The, the CEOs is how they got the, but, yeah, uh, but the co-conspirator. Co yeah, but once again, I'm just speculating that they're in the house staff. If they're not, who is that person? Yeah, that is true. Anyway, you know how some kids are murdered with a computer? This yeah. dude was like 
straight up doing like I don't know gangland activities with a flip phone in prison and that's just so <laughs> impressive to me it is. anyway his buckhead dream home it's still sitting there empty unsold really yep it's quickly depreciating in value it's right now uh, it's no longer worth 4.4 million of the original asking price that he paid it's now worth about 3.5 and yeah. so people are suing to try to like manage it because the house will quickly turn into a wasted sure yeah. yeah so one last thing about contraband phones Elizabeth yeah Now, as we've gone over, prison guards are probably responsible for most of them, right? And this also allows prisons to have a reason to roust prisoners and to Mm -hmm. search their cells. And it also allows them to kind of give like a little uh, black market pay to their prison guards so Mm -hmm. they don't have to do pay increases. But I don't want it to sound like these contraband phones are all negative. I was just going to say that. I think it's important that we make a distinction that some contraband phones are used for crimes and some are used... Okay, well, the journalist Carrie Blankinger, I'm not sure if you Mm -hmm. know... Okay, great writer, great journalist. She's written a lot about this, and she makes the point that smuggled-in phones are also how whistleblowers are able to report on the prisons, document excesses of of, of bad behavior inside the detention facilities. Also, some inmates have been known to self-publish books. Mm -hmm. They've been known to take college classes on smuggled phones. They also contact prison reform advocates their family members when they're having a crisis. It's it's a really often a, a lifeline. It's a form of communication, a, a connection, mm-hmm. education. It's so much more than just a oh, contraband yeah. When phone. there are poor conditions and the outside world doesn't know about it. Yeah. Um, and we've seen that multiple times. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you look at the fact that the, the absolute robbery of how much they charge for phone calls in oh, prisons. Oh, yeah. yeah. California's passed a rule they can't charge anymore. Exactly. Great rule. And it should law. be blanket mm-hmm. nationwide because, you know, it. I don't understand. Well, I do understand. But I just, it's disgusting to me how much they, they skewer these guys. They're doing their time. Yeah. And I think that, you know, they're paying things back in a multitude of ways. And part of prison is rehabilitation. Yeah. But like there's the whole I think it's part of the dehumanization Mm -hmm. that is that is in our prison, you know, industrial complex Mm -hmm. that, you know, you reduce these guys. They don't have a name. They're a number. Yeah. Um, And then you take it away where you don't get the the like satisfaction of being able to talk to your family without some pain inflicted Mm -hmm. monetarily. Yeah. Um, we need to talk to people. We need to talk we to our families. Yeah, we're social. And animals. like you're saying, if you want to rehabilitate someone, like you have to let them have a support network and reconnect too. to the world outside. This exactly. should be part of the plan. Yeah, well, I, I think it's just important an important point to make, which is that smuggled cell phones save lives. That's essentially what yeah, I want to say. That's true. So that's true. Arthur Cofield, he's one example, but he's not a good example of all that you would find in prison. So yeah. contraband phones keep rolling. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, there's just never one side to a story. Exactly. Yeah. For every, for every, uh, bat, what's his name again? Arthur. Arthur Cofield. <laughs> yap lavish. Yap lavish. For Elizabeth. every yap lavish, mm-hmm. you know, there's someone who's actually like just trying to be a human being surviving. Exactly. And, and so. we have to be able to yeah. consider them and not just be yeah. know, hung up on, oh, drone smuggling phones in so yap lavish can organize hits and exactly. steal from billionaires. <laughs> Anyway, what's a ridiculous takeaway, Elizabeth? I think you're right. There were no heroes, yes, no anti-heroes. Right? Nothing. It's just a bunch of... Well, I mean, like, I guess the billionaire isn't so bad. I mean, he's just sitting on too much money, but, like, mm-hmm. you know, he didn't do anything no, super offensive. No, he's not inherent. Yeah, no. Yeah, but, like, man, these, you know, I always... I think we're probably the most criminal-friendly podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we're definitely not, like, copaganda, as they no, say. No, I don't, don't think so. Um, and I like to kind of find the humanity in people and give people the benefit of the doubt. And we've said it before mm-hmm. that, you know, most of the people that we talk about are just, like, they've made a series of bad decisions. Yes. And, you know, 
because we don't talk about murder, we're talking about mostly financial crimes or mm-hmm. other kind of ridiculous things. Um, you can find you can find a little redeeming quality sure. in most of these people. Yeah. Um, except for like the ones who are really cruel about it. The woman who scammed the town out of all the mm-hmm. what was it, Rita something? Yeah. She was terrible. This guy's terrible. So I I think it's interesting when we stumble across the people that it's really hard to to, you know, find a, a sweet spot with. Yes, or anyone to root for. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I'm also, you know, you know, my ridiculous takeaway, once again, thank you for asking, Elizabeth. You're so welcome. Is the, the Wertheim family being able to write off two and a quarter million dollars, like, well, that's yeah. just a, a learning experience or whatever. Right. That's just nuts right. to me. That is nuts. <laughs> anyway, thank you for listening. That's well, all you. I got for you. Thank you. Well, you can find us online at Ridiculous Crime on both Twitter and Instagram. Twitter, that's where we drop the words. Instagram, we drop the pictures. We got, uh, you know, hype for episodes on both. And also you can reach out to us if you would like. Email us at RidiculousCrime at gmail.com. If you got a story idea, a family confession, a personal confession, hit us up. We love them. Thanks for listening. Ridiculous Crime is hosted by Elizabeth Dutton and Zarin Burnett. Produced and edited by Atlanta's preeminent producer for up-and-coming gift wrappers, Dave Kustin. Research is by Marissa Young Loco Brown and Andrea Hotline Bling is my favorite song, Sharp and Tear. Our theme song is by Thomas Lars Lee and Travis The Real Girl Dutton. Executive producers are Ben Hell Bolden and Noel Highwater Brown. Ridiculous Crime. Say it one more time. Ridiculous Crime. Ridiculous Crime is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Gym Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.